0: Morning will be in Matthew chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, there are also Bibles in the seat back in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us, that you have called us from darkness to light, you've given us the gift of salvation, and yet in this life, uh, you've given us words to know how to do this life well. Lord, we want to be those who are founded on the rock. Jesus, this morning as we study your word, would you speak? Would you give us understanding, ears to hear, and eyes to see what you have for your church? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can grab your seats. Pastor Chet asked me this morning, he said, hey, do you want me to do like a little introduction or, uh, you know, something just to let people know? I said, hey, I've been here for two and a half years. You know, I'm not sure that uh, I need an introduction and plus Once I share the list of stories about you, people are going to know who you are and who I am, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows. Because see, for me, uh, over the past two and a half years, Pastor Chet has used me in several illustrations. Um, Some of you have asked me, hey, so when it's your turn, you're going to get him back, right? Yes, I will. And he made double mistake. Um, for a second service, so he sat in the first service. He said, hey, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna listen to Max teach uh, up in student life. I was like, great. Now I I could say anything and he's not even here to know what I'm talking about. So I have a list of stories that I wanna share with you about Pastor Chet and, no, I won't. Even though he threw me under the bus, um, I didn't even share a story this morning, and he's still acting like I'm out to get him. I, I don't get it. Um, but anyway, it is, uh, it's a privilege to be at this church. It's a privilege to be one of your pastors and to share the word with you this morning. So uh, I've been given the opportunity to kind of wrap up the series that we're in. So we've been eight weeks in a series, Can You Hear Me Now?, and we've been studying the seven churches as we've gone through revelation chapter 2 and 3 and we we really spent 7 weeks diving into each church individually and listening to and looking at the message to the church the message to the church now our key verse our key verse is found in revelation chapter 3 verse 20 Um, I will read it for us. It will also be on the screen. Revelation chapter three, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Uh, Such a beautiful picture of the heart of our father. That he would be so patient with us that he would stand at the door and knock. I think it's the perfect close to seven weeks of studying what is he speaking. And we get this picture that he's still there. He's still knocking, even to the degree where he's calling out. If anyone hears his voice, so he's not just there like a little rat-tat-tat. He's there. He's knocking, and he's calling out to get our attention now. Um, Some of you, I would imagine, are familiar with this verse. Uh, It's often used in the process of evangelism. And people will say, uh, hey, God is knocking on the door of your heart. He wants you to open up, receive the free gift of salvation, and begin a relationship with him. That's very fitting for our verse. Um, The only problem is that's not the actual context. Right so that's part of what we've been studying we've been studying seven letters to seven churches so these are words that are to those of faith these are these are to those who are not outside the church to those who are inside the church why does that matter well as we grow in our faith we want to use the word in context so we want to be students of the word. We've given you journals. Uh, hopefully you still have those. If you do, I think that is is great props to probably your organizational and admin skills because most of you might have lost it by now. This has been training because we're going to do another journal when we begin our series in First Samuel next week. Because we wanna be students of the word. So we're hoping that uh, as we're in the word, we're taking note of things that we're learning and what the spirit's speaking to us as we study. So uh, you have these journals and we've been going through this list because we wanna grow in our faith. But some of you may say, hey, uh, not only have I used it in evangelism, but it's actually what brought me to salvation. Um, Does that mean I'm not saved? No. Okay, so... Uh, the application of the verse is correct, right? So behold, I stand at the door and knock. We understand that God is a God who pursues. He wants relationship with us, so the application is right, but now that we know, now that we're aware, we're, we're probably not gonna go out and use that for evangelism at the pancake breakfast on Saturday. Uh, we're gonna take what Dusty equipped us with this morning, and we're gonna say, hey, I remember there was a time when, and this made a big difference in my life. So, right, we're not just taking from you, we're equipping you to continue to share the gospel to impact our community, right? Um, But if you're that person who goes, man, I've been using it wrong the whole time. It's okay. Let me share. See, I met my wife uh, nine years ago. So nine years ago, I met Audrey on a mission trip to Liberia. How many of you have been to Liberia? My mom and Allison, the two who raised their hands. Maybe there were a few more. I can't see. Um. There's a reason for that. Liberia is probably not what I would recommend as your first mission trip to go on. In any event, I'm doing ministry in Austria. The Lord says, hey, go. That's probably the only reason I would go to Liberia is if God said, go. Um, so I go to Liberia and on this mission trip, I meet my wife. Okay, not recommended. I'm not saying that you should go and date on mission trips, um, But if you are looking, there are probably worse ways, and we do still have mission trip openings, okay? (laughs) Young adults, if we're still looking, just saying, there are worse ways to meet someone. Um, So I met my wife on a mission trip to Liberia, and and by the end of these 14 days, we're holding hands on the plane home, right? Like, I would never counsel this. I would never say, hey, this is the way to do it, but... This, this was our story. And so we had three months in Vienna, Austria, where we're together. And through that three months in 2010, uh, God, he said, hey, she's the one. Like I knew it, without a shadow of doubt. He, he spoke to me through his word. It, it was confirmed through uh, wise counsel. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to make this happen. And then the waiting game began. The, the waiting game of, okay, God, I'm waiting for the green light. He kind of said, hey, not yet. Uh, So let's just wait. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's been a year. It's been more than a year. And I find myself in my devotions in 2 Samuel chapter seven, 2 Samuel chapter seven. Please don't turn there. If you do, it might ruin the story. Um, 2 Samuel seven, hopefully you don't know the context because I didn't either. And Second Samuel 7, I began my Devo's reading in verse 1. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord, the king is David, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. That's something worthy of recognition. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Boom, Devo's done. I was like, Yes. Green light from God, I'm in. I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been waiting. Go, do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. It's like, okay, I'm in. I make the plan, right? I begin the process. Okay, I'm gonna fly up to DC. Audrey's working in Washington, DC. We're gonna take a train to New York. Um, I'm I'm gonna propose... (laughs) Great plan backfired a little bit in the end, but uh, I'm going to propose in Central Park. I didn't realize it was going to be like 10 degrees and we'd be lugging our luggage through Central Park. But anyway, that's not how I imagined it. Um, two years later, here I am back in Second Samuel 7 and I read the next verses. I won't read it for you, right? But it's a little bit embarrassing Says, nope, that's not your job. That's what Nathan says. So he goes to bed that night, and uh, the Lord speaks to him. He's like, nope, I don't want David to build my house. That's going to be for his son. Uh, and so here I am going, okay, Lord, um, she's my wife, right? That was my, that was my go-ahead verse. That was my green light. That was like, you know what? Sometimes we make an application, that the Lord used that verse to speak to me, green light. But you know what? I'm not gonna tell anybody else. Um, oh, you're praying about that? Hey, I have a verse for you. 2 Samuel 7, three, the Lord is with you. Go do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you, right? So there's something that happens as we grow in our faith. As we're in the word and we're learning the word, that, that we realize, okay, that's not what that means. This is what that means. And we're able to practice our faith. We're able to apply the word with greater accuracy. Okay, so if that verse was given to you to bring you to salvation, if you've been using it, please don't feel condemned. You're still saved. But now that we know, now that we know, hey, this is a word for the church we as the church are able to tune our ears and listen and receive maybe a message that we otherwise might have missed. So wrapping up these seven weeks, um, I've been given that challenge and we could go back through all of the, uh, the list of commendations and exhortations, right? Uh, we've talked a lot about each of the seven churches And there's really a message specific to each church that that is laid out throughout chapters two and three, Uh, commendations of the things that the Lord saw. And I want to go through those for a moment. Uh, He says, I commend your works. You've practiced your faith. He says, I commend your labor. You've put forth effort, your perseverance. You have endured. You've been patient You've been patient and have an eternal perspective. It says you've undergone tribulation and suffered for your faith. Uh, you've given up much. You're, you have physical poverty and yet spiritual wealth. It says you've grown in your faith and it's evidenced by your love. And you've been faithful. You've been committed to the truth. These are some of the commendations given to the church. We want to listen to that because we are finding what's pleasing, what's pleasing to the Lord. So we go, okay, we want to be a church that has that reputation. But there are also some some rebukes, some exhortations, some things that come to the church. It says, hey, you've left your first love. No longer do you have the fire and passion that you once had Uh, and You've lost it. I wanna see you reignite that fire. It says, there's false doctrine. You've allowed false teachers into the synagogue to have a place where they have influence to speak into the lives of people. There's sexual immorality amongst you and it shouldn't be so. Your faith is incomplete. You have fear. You're afraid. Don't be afraid. At the end of Laodicea, the church we talked about last week in our sermon, Be Zealous, it says repent. The message to the churches of, hey, these things are happening great, but these things need to shift a little bit. You need to repent and change. Um, if you want more on specific churches or sections, if you missed a week, I'd encourage you to go back. You can listen on the app. You can, you can find it on the website or on the podcast. But this morning, I want to key in on uh, four repeated phrases, four repeated phrases. There's a unique message to each of the seven churches. Uh, but for our sake this morning, I want to look at the four repeated phrases that we see communicated to every church because uh, my senior English teacher, he taught me something. Uh, Repetition is the key to understanding when something is repeated, when it's communicated over and over, there's probably a reason for it. It's something important. It's something that we should listen to that we should consider. I'm a, I'm a parent of four children, five and under I'm repeating myself all the time. I can't imagine how Audrey feels. Like I am, is, I've, this, this series has haunted me um, because I'm constantly hearing, like, can you hear me? And, I, and I'm talking to Graham, say, uh, Graham, is, Graham is our uh, four-year-old who... Um, Is an incredible child, but for a long time I've wondered if he can really hear. Like I've, I've actually wondered, like, Graham, does he hear what I'm saying, or is something, something seems off? So I'll get down on his level and I'll communicate to him because I've already said it and he's missed it. So I get down on his level and I go, okay, Graham, I have something I want to say to you, and he's shaking his head. Okay. Please don't hit your sister. Hands aren't for hitting. Do you hear me? Okay, great. Five minutes later, he's hitting her again. But I'll come back and I'll repeat the message because it's something that I want to teach Graham because it's important for how he's going to live his life with his sister. Because I tell you what, she's a tough cookie. And even though she's two, she's going to come back on him one day and I'm I wouldn't underestimate her. So, so we're gonna look at these four repeated phrases that we find throughout Revelation 2 and 3. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, we'll be in Revelation 2. And we're just gonna look at the first church, uh, just so you can believe me when I say they're actually there, um, to look at what is being repeated, and we're gonna consider why. Okay, so the first of these repeated phrases... You'll find in chapter 2, verse 1, halfway through, it's the beginning of the message. It's how every single one of the messages begin, the words of him, the words of him. So if you're taking note, the first repeated phrase are, is the words of him. See, this is his message. This is, this is his voice. These are his words. Why does that matter? Um, well, in communication, it's important to know who the communicator is, right? If you, um, if you look up a statistic online or someone's giving you a fact, you're going to fact check it and you're going to find what's the source of that information because I want to know if it's a reliable source. The words of him, we know it's his voice, his words, it becomes a reliable source. But I think it's interesting to note that um, the world around us has even recognized that when God speaks, it's worthy of paying attention. When God speaks, it's a different voice, right? Think of any movie that you can think of where there's a voice of God, right? Movies that come to my mind are uh, Bruce Almighty and Morgan Freeman, um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail and um, Samuel Chapman, when the voice of God enters the scene, the whole scene changes. Everything changes. It's like it stops and people listen to the voice of God. Even the world has recognized that when God speaks, it's like what Dusty says: everyone wants a relationship with God if there is a God. And when that voice speaks, it's something that you key in on and you pay attention to. So he says, These are these are his words. But it's not just the sound of his voice, right? Uh, We learned from Elijah. He went up on the mountain and the Lord passed before him and he was waiting to hear from God. And and the wind came, a rush that that shattered the rocks. The earthquake came and passed. The fire came. And and it wasn't what he expected. He was ready for the voice. And it was after all of that, in the silence, in the stillness, that he heard a small voice. What, what I've found to be true, whether it's in my personal devotions, in my prayer time, what I've found to be true is God's voice often doesn't come how I expect it, but it's perfectly fitting for the occasion. It, oftentimes I'm expecting like a harsh rebuke and he has a word of hope and encouragement. It, it, and other times I'm expecting it to be loud and boisterous and, and I hear this soft word that is, hey, I'm here. I'm with you. So the first thing that we recognize is the words are his. Now, I want to consider for a moment because it, in life, we hear voices consistently, right? Uh, could be friends, could be uh, neighbors, uh, we have voices that are consistently speaking into our lives. And, and I want you to consider who's speaking into your life. Because God's voice should carry a weight, should have an impact in us that's different from anyone else's voice. Anyone's. Your your best friend or confidant, uh, parents or siblings, a counselor or maybe a small group leader. Now I'm not drawing into question the need to have spiritual authority in our lives, but if a person's voice is ever as impactful as the voice of God speaking into our lives, we've missed something. And I want us to pay attention to this because we're reading these messages to the church and we want to listen up. So The title of the message is Listen and Live. God's giving guidelines. He's giving information. He's communicating a message to bring life into the church, whether it's life more abundant or it's life where the church is dead. Okay, so the first thing, the words are his. The second thing we see, if you look at verse 2, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, He says, I know, I know, I hate it when someone says to me, I know, but when I'm in the middle of something and they come to me and like, I'm just looking for some empathy, but it's like, Hey, I like, I know what you're going through. It's like, you have no idea what I'm going through. I made this mistake. I mean, once, but I'm sure I made it many times with my wife. Right? So. I come home, the kids are running around, the house is a mess. And she looks at me and it's like, it's been a hard day. I go, I know. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't, like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea why the house is a mess. I have no idea. The kids have punched her in the face like 20 times. And you, that's like, it makes you mad, but then you feel bad because you're mad and it's just a kid. And it's like, I have no idea what she's going through, but in my best efforts, I come into the scene and I go, honey, I know it's been a hard day for you. I have no idea. We hear, I know. I, I train Elia in soccer. Elia is Pastor Chet's daughter. Uh, she's a freshman at Westmont and she's playing soccer. So I played soccer in college. Uh, I played overseas for a year. And so over the last five, seven years, um, we've been training together and we've been working on her skills, growing her game. And so Elia will call me from time to time and she'll say, Hey, can we train? I go, Hey, let me check my schedule. Yes. Okay, let's do it at this time. We show up and I say, Hey, what do you want to work on today? I'm asking her because I haven't seen her play. I don't know how she's doing. I don't know. But when I've gone and watched her play a match, just one match. The next training session, I don't ask her. I, I don't say, hey, what do, you, what do you feel like you need to work on? As a good coach, I come to her and I say, hey, this is what we're doing today. I noticed in the match that you are slow in transition. So we're going to do these drills and we're going to work on your transition. Those are the words from someone who is informed. From someone who's connected. From someone who has seen and been a part of. And those are the words that come to the church. He says, I know. But we're not listening to a God who doesn't understand. He, he understands and he knows, he knows the things that nobody else knows. And so in that process of hearing the voice of God and, and, and receiving His word, we're challenged to go and remember, He says, "I know. He knows who I am. He, he knows my condition, He knows my situation, he knows what I'm facing. He knows where it started, and he knows where it's going to end. And he knows what I need to hear. The only problem is, I don't want to hear what I need to hear all the time, right? I have in my mind what I want to hear, but when you come to me with what I need to hear, for example, don't eat that donut. Too late. See, (laughs) we've already made up our minds. Don't eat that donut well, I've waited all week for the donuts. We have incredible donuts, I'm just saying. I wait all week for the donut for someone to say, don't eat that donut. There's a conflict. There's a wrestle within me that goes, um, I, I'm already planning on eating the donut. I've already set my mind on eating the donut. Now you're telling me... I." I'm really struggling with that. I'm telling you don't eat the donut because for me, every time I get out there after the 10 o'clock service, all the donuts are gone. You have eaten all of the donuts. I don't know if you fail to think about your pastors, <laughs> but without fail, even to the point I will, I will find my kids, hey, we're going to get out there quick today and you can have a donut. That's like a special for them, Right. You've made me a liar to my children many times over to the point where I have to stop at a donut shop on the way home. One time we get inside, we see the donuts. I let them pick, cash only. You've gotta be kidding me. We gotta drive home, get cash, come back out. Don't eat that donut. I don't wanna hear that. But the next thing we see Is he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, this should really grab our attention. This is, um, if you remember back to the Gospels, this is something that we heard Jesus say somewhat consistently after a teaching or a hard saying, something like, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's giving a truth, and I'll give you an example. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, I'll read the verse for you. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, he says this to the people. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Right? So that's our, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What is he saying? Well, he says, if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah. This isn't. If you'll receive it, this is the truth. This is, this is the truth. Are you willing to receive it? Because the word doesn't come to us in a condition that says, well, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. Remember who the communicator is. They're his words. It's his message. He's informed, well-educated. He knows. And we know that his word is true. It's sure. And it does not return void. But as hearers, so each of the letters to the seven churches, he's wrapping them. And and one of the two things he says is, hey, if you have an ear to hear, listen to what I'm saying. If you're willing to receive it, accept the truth that I'm giving you. Not, Not everyone is willing to receive. Right? We know that not just because there are those who uh, still don't know Jesus. We know that because of the wrestle in ourselves. So I don't always accept and receive the word that he gives me the way that I should. So I kind of stopped and asked myself, okay, God, what keeps me from receiving the message you have for me? Because if, if I know who you are, so people in the church we know who he is. We've come to salvation. Um, I know who you are. And I know that you know me. And I know that you're speaking into this with a purpose. But I still choose not to listen. Why is that? So I made a list of things for me. Too busy. Like sometimes I'm just too busy. Uh, I can't take time to stop and, and listen and be willing to say, these things aren't important. Maybe they are important. These things aren't as important as my time with the Lord. Sometimes it's apathy. It's, man, I do not wanna get up early and get into the word. I'm just, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I've been through, uh, I I just, I can't do it. Um, Maybe it's comfort. I don't really like the message maybe it's too costly. We're repeating in our services often. Um, We're giving our time, talent, treasure, and testimony. It's like, okay, I can maybe settle with like one or two of those things. Like, okay, I'm going to tithe, but now you want me to serve too? Um, Like, you want me to come to the pancake breakfast? It's like, Man, that is my day with my family and my kids, and I, I, I have a, a movie to go see with my friends. Like I, I want to be able to hang out. It, the cost is too great. Remember, these are mine. These aren't yours. Um, it's too hard. God, what you're asking me to do is impossible. I don't even know how I would do it. Sometimes I find myself saying, "I don't understand." Either I don't understand the message or I don't understand why you're even asking me to do this. And and I don't understand. Therefore, I'm not going to receive. Um, I've been challenged to respond like the disciples. You would think that the disciples, the people who were with Jesus the most uh, would understand what he was saying. But the disciples at the close of one of the parables, they come to Jesus and they go, hey, can you explain this? Like, we don't get it. We heard what you said, but I don't really understand what you mean. Like, what are you trying to say, Jesus? It's the same thing that Nicodemus did. He heard, we studied this when we went through the book of John, he heard this terminology, you must be born again. And he said, I have no idea what that means. You must be born again. So he goes to Jesus and he says, how do I do that? Do I, do I enter my mother's womb a second time? What does that even mean? And Jesus begins to explain to him because it blesses God when we seek him out. It, faith isn't as simple as just, okay, I'm gonna jump into my uh, devo's Revelation chapter two, I read it. I know exactly what that means and I know exactly how to apply it today. It's okay, I'm gonna get into this and I'm gonna fight through some of this because I want to gain understanding. God, I wanna hear what you are trying to say to me and I wanna be able to apply it to my life. So, okay, uh, I hear you. Am I... Am I seeking out that greater understanding? That's in essence, the context of Matthew seven, when he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. He's pleased when we pursue that understanding. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So we as a church would wanna ask ourselves, kind of do a pause and reflect. We've heard messages to churches for seven weeks. Were we, was I, one who was ready and willing to receive what you had to say to me, God? And I think this is a crucial question that we want to ask ourselves um, because we're hopefully going to continue to come to church on Sunday and hear the teaching of God's word. How foolish would we be if we came and said, okay, we're gonna give of our time of all the things that we could be doing. We live in Southern California. It's probably a beautiful day outside. And we're gonna come into this room with no windows where we we can't see the light of day. And we're gonna say, we're gonna sit in these seats and we're gonna study the word. Why would we do that if we're not willing to receive the message that he has for us? But Sometimes I need a little bit more, like, okay, I get it. I, I know who he is. I know that he's informed. I know that he has a word for me, um, but help me. The, the fourth phrase that's repeated, uh, if you're taking notes, so the first was the words of him. The second was, I know. The third thing was, he who has an ear, let him hear. The fourth thing is to the one who conquers. So you're going to see all four of these things through every letter to every church. It says to the one who conquers. We got to remember we're in a battle. We're in a battle. You may say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm kind of new to the faith, or maybe, maybe you haven't even received the Lord as your savior. And you go, I'm not signing up for battle. That's like, I want to sign up for the free gift of eternal life. I want to sign up for help make my life better. uh, Like I have needs. I'm signing up for that. He says, I want to make you a conqueror. I want to make you an overcomer. But whether you know the Lord or you don't know the Lord, you're going to face trial in this life. That's the reality. Things don't always go well. We face that tribulation. But, but would you rather do it trying to find your way blind or would you rather go to the one who knows, who has the words that lead to eternal life? That's what John 6 says. He has the words of life and his heart and desire for you is, I want to give you victory. We're we're in March Madness right now. Any any March Madness fans? Yes, brackets busted. Yep, it happens, right? We're getting to that point where it's like, oh man, we have a, anyway, story for another day. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, all these, I love March Madness because all of these teams are out there and they're doing everything they can to get to the championship game and to win. So imagine the coach who says, I have the perfect scouting report. I have the perfect scouting report. I'm gonna give it to you. All you have to do is execute the plan and you're promised victory. It's not a question. It's not like, well, maybe, maybe not. It's like you are guaranteed victory if you execute the plan. And I'm a player and I'm sitting in the locker room. I don't know if you've ever seen the scene in the locker room, but most of the time, the players have headphones in, right? I have my, my Bose or Sony over-ear noise-canceling headphones on. I complete, completely miss the pregame. I, I completely miss, hey, here's our strategy going into the game. That's in essence what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I have, I'm a good coach. I know how to lead you to victory. I want to make you a conqueror, but you got to listen to the game plan. You gotta receive the words that I'm saying to you. You have to be humble enough to say, okay, coach, I don't wanna play the game my way. I wanna play the way you are telling me to play because I know that you know the outcome, you know the way to victory and you want to lead me to victory. That's that's Matthew 7, 24 through 27. That's the application, the scripture reading that we started with Hey, if we want to build our house on the rock, we have to be those who hear, who receive and do. And there's a promise. If you go through each of the churches, when you get to uh, he who overcomes, he who conquers, there's a promise that's given. And you say, okay, that's great. So we've gone through the churches. We've heard the message. I hear what you're saying. Um, Here's why that matters. We're gonna continue to study the word and we get to decide individually and collectively. We're gonna be those who say, hey, you know what, God, You're coach, you tell us what to do. All we have to do is execute the plan. I think there would be those in each of the seven churches who are probably like, you know what? It's a little too hard. Um, I like the good things you have to say, but don't, don't tell me not to eat my donut, right? I, I want, I've been waiting for my donut. And the coach goes, hey, I've got the plan. All you have to do is listen, receive, and walk it out. He says, and the thing about us is it's not a game. There's not next year's March Madness. He goes, this is life and death. For you and others, will you listen and live? So a little bit of a pause, take a breath and consider, okay, God, what are you telling us as a church? We, we want to be about glorifying God together. What does that look like for us? And am I playing my role? And I would ask you, take time this week to consider, God, are you trying to say something to me that I'm missing? Are you looking for, for something to change in my life? Can you help me hear it? God, I hear you, but I don't understand. Can you help me know how to apply that to my life? And I pray that we as a church will grow as we hear and receive his word for us that we truly might glorify him together. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the journey we've been on. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you have for us. Lord, if our name was written as a church receiving a message, please be bold to communicate and help us to receive. We live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.